from the White Letter Production Studios in Los Angeles, California. I'm Ellie Unger-Sargon, and this is The Cut Podcast. This, uh, um, I'm sorry first because of my English. Uh, this is the third time that uh, non-Anglo-Saxon speaking people are <laughs> delivering a speech here. And uh, especially uh, the written English because, uh, you know, uh, uh, still uh, grammatical and syntactical problems. This is the last language alert. But anyway, I think that I tried to explain myself uh, orally, so you can understand much better what I say in this side set of slides. So uh, th- this uh, anthropological reflection, I say, or intervention, or intervention. I don't know if it is correct or not, but you know, with the intervention, I intend any kind of uh, uh, manipulation, circumcision, and so on on genitalia. You know. <clears throat> I belong to the uh, philosophy and pedagogy department of the University of Padua now, and I'm teaching anthropology there as a, <coughs> a professor, retired professor, but still working. <laughs> <coughs> it's necessary a premise for the, to, to this set of slides, you know, because it, in, uh, for an anthropologist, it is usually extremely, I say, they are fascinating to find meaning you know, this trafficking that we found on male and female genitalia around the world, different parts of the world. And, uh, <clears throat> and there is another story, you know, because uh, I am a, a physical anthropologist, not a cultural anthropologist, and for, for decades I worked mostly on the biological aspects of male, especially female, and then male circumcision, and uh, the idea was that uh, of uh, <coughs> fertility associated with fecundity, you know, that are quite different because it depends on the number, the possibility of the children and also on the number of the children, the offspring you have. But now, m- uh, uh, after years, I shift a little on cultural anthropology, so I start my reflection from this side. And there is another story that, uh, uh, and I hope that um, my, my speech will, not, will be not a blah blah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there is another story that is connected to this, because two or three years ago, uh, no, two years ago, one of my students, uh, Erika Dionisio, presented in the last uh, symposium that you had, uh, uh, two papers about male and female circumcision because we studied in South Africa in one remote region close to Mozambique in South Africa the Venda population that is a composite people gradually that gradually welded into a wall and uh, <coughs> they assumed uh, interventions if I can say that on genitalia both for males and female from the neighboring populations, you know, just to be, just to trade with them and just to be accepted by them. Uh, with all the rituals, connected rituals, for example, schools, the, the, the ritual schools, the initiation schools, they were called, both for males and females. 
And uh, uh, the results were very, very, very interesting. So I went two times in one year in South Africa just to understand much better the topic and also in Botswana because the, there are some populations connected to the Venda. In short, because the, the results will be published uh, in the next book uh, uh, that will be delivered hopefully quickly. Uh, in short, the results as, as such. Female interventions on genitalia, they practice the genital stretching, you know, manipulation of the labia minora on genitalia, ended in one or two generations. Why? male circumcision is still working, it's still appreciated, it's still used you know, among the male population, the Benda population. So there is a, this is quite strange because an anthropologist is perfectly aware that the social changes are very slow, very, very slow. Societies in general are very conservative. You know? So if you found that uh, <clears throat> A practice in one or two generations is ended. This means something, you know. And why, in the other, in the, in the other, in the other part, the male circumcision, you know, uh, remained stable. This means uh, <clears throat> uh, the, uh, we, we try to, to understand the problem. And uh, in short, you know, the result is as such: the the, the girls, uh, I mean, female the female intervention on genitalia among the Venda ended because of the social and cultural changes that South Africa and the Venda populations that is inside South Africa had in one generation or two, you know, after apartheid. And uh, women passed from a traditional way of uh, being in the sense that uh, they were accepted by males only if they had elongated the labia to another male identity in the sense that the missionary, uh, <clears throat> the missionaries uh, banned this kind of practice because for them they were somehow related to masturbation, you know. So little by little, you know, they changed the, uh, the, the mentality, but they passed from uh, a traditional African uh, mentality, your male mentality, to a Western, Westernized male mentality as well. You know, so the change was uh, <clears throat> wasn't much. I mean, uh, didn't didn't came from them directly. You know, it was somehow uh, something that was over over them. Uh, for the males, the, the story continues. So there is no uh, changes regarding male circumcision. The, the only changes are. Related, related to the fact that uh, some interventions now, some operations now are done, done in, uh, uh, with the, in, in hospitals, you know? But uh, this is the small changes. So uh, this story about uh, what happened to the vendor uh, uh, imposed somehow me to understand much better what I, what's going on with the, this kind of interventions on genitalia. So my, mm, the topics of today will be, do male and female, I don't know how to, how to say, but uh, maybe international genitalia is correct, or genital procedures, you know, I can say also, you know, because intending 
all the practices that are done on genitalia have traits in common, it's possible to trick back their symbolic meaning that should be, must be, of course, if they are so strong and deeply rooted in our minds, uh, in our past, and uh, use this particular anthropological frame. What about the tentative to ban these interventions or to reduce the interdependence among the populations, bearing in mind, of course, that, as I said before, in general, societies are very conservative. So I checked, especially the female uh, anthropologists, and, uh, <coughs> uh, for example, uh, the French anthropologist Héritier, but the Italian Mali as well, are talking about the so-called binary hierar hierarchical categories. Binary hierarchical categories means that uh, the, our ancients, our ancestors, observing nature, you know, observed also the sex differences, the differences between the sexes, you know, and uh, they looked at their body, the male and female body, for example, and they discovered that a, a dualism exists between the two kinds of bodies. For example, here I mentioned the different kind of dualism that they have found, but just to, to, to explain much better. For example, a female loses, and they interpret as blood, you know, every month, cyclically, she is losing blood. She can, she can do nothing against this. She is losing the blood. She is passive against the blood, if I can say that, while the, the male counterpart loses the blood only if he hurts himself or rather, you know, accidental, accidentally. So male is active, female is passive. So this dualism, active-passive, is still working in our brain. It's deeply rooted in our evolutionary history, you know? And <clears throat> you may drive passive, active, hot, cold, and so on. And this created, created the so-called binary hierarchical, because one is stronger than the other, category that is still functioning in our mind, even in the most advanced society, societies. Well, these are the verses of Adam and Eve, you know, that's okay. <laughs> there is a, just to, it's very interesting because I found what I call a paradigmatic example, you know. Here there is a map of the world and you see different countries and the, the different sex ratio. Sex ratios means the percentage of uh, males and female newborns, the newborn that you have uh, uh, in every country, that usually is more like 50%, you know, 50% male and 50% female. But there is a, a slight majority of male, very slight all over the world. But what happens? Infants, male infants, are not so strong, if I can say, like female. At a certain point, the balance is exactly 50-50 in natural way. But what happens, as you see in this, in, this, in, this, uh, <coughs> in this map, you know, there are different uh, sex ratios around the world. 
even in unexpected countries such as New Zealand, for example, Canada, Portugal, Ireland, where there is a higher percentage of males versus females at birth. I mean, uh, right at birth. This is because, uh, as you know, you know perfectly what happens in China and in India. There are selective abortions, you know, for females. You know, especially in China, where they were obliged to have only few children, one or two per couple. You know, and so, uh, <clears throat> but in China and India, it can be understandable for this, for reasons really related to demography. But what, what is strange, if you observe the map, is there are countries that uh, you unexpected, unexpected countries in which there is an abnormal, abnormal uh, sex ratio, sorry, I need some water, uh, that uh, you can't imagine. And uh, this is a paradigmatic example, in my opinion, of the deeply rooted binary hierarchical system. Thank you, sorry. I got it. So, um, the, this, uh, <clears throat> this reflects also the difference that we have in mind about uh, being male and being females. You know, for, for, for example, for women, they have a natural contact, I say here, with the transcendent. Why? Because they are able to give life and also they are able to refuse to give life, something that the man has not. You know, so they are naturally transcendental, if I can say that, especially when they show the maximum opening at birth, for example, when they give birth, you know, you, you, know, you go to the transcendent in that way. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, what happened, especially with the shamans and so on, the, the, the natural connection that they have with the transcendent was uh, snatched I can say that by males. Now we have the priests, we have the shamans, you know, and the, con the, the contact with the, the transcendent was uh, a male affair. And uh, in, this, uh, with this, in this perspective, in many, many societies, and still now uh, this is working, uh, face, uh, women face denigration, avoidance, freedom, dispossession and the, com uh, uh, the confinement in the male reproductive function, you know? And, but we must remember that, uh, as Italian anthropologist Mali said, everything that was done on women have not directly them as a target, you know? But the symbolic meaning that males assigned them. Uh, and all you see, uh, different operations that have been done on women, and uh, the fact that uh, death was connected to them, you know? Death is female, even when it is represented, you know? It's female. Only in a movie I saw Bergman's, uh, the, 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 the strawberry place, something like that, the Posto delle Fragole in Italian, there was a, 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 a death that was uh, intersex, if I can say that, not completely female, but it's okay. And so, 
we must be reminded also that all the practices that have the tendency to control the transcendent are usually brutal and cruel, you know? If you remember the Mayas, the Aztecs, and so on, you know? They are really brutal, really cruel, you know? Because the aim is to take possession on con and control on the other bodies. And uh, uh, what is interesting, there's another story that anthropologists uh, usually uh, analyzed. For example, genitals. They face a genitalia, they face a hierarchy that is the result of the definition of a situation. Those with and those without. The phallus or the penis, if you want. You know, the, 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 there is also. <clears throat> In there are also etymological problems when you use this kind of words, you know, that uh, uh, are, I mean, uh, are depending mostly on the fact that uh, they, they, they were not used, they must use them, in, for example, in Latin. They are not to mention directly them, you know, for the pruderie of the, the, the ancient uh, scientist and anthropologist, you know. Uh, for another anthropologist, the phallus is a sort of culture builder. Those who are the phallus are those who build the culture. The others didn't, you know. The, the phallus as a sort of instrument. Because, uh, for example, for anthropologists in Mali, we gave much attention to the use of hands, you know. For, for, for building a culture, you know, but she said that symbolically the phallus was very, very important as well in building culture, especially because it is used as a sword, as a, an instrument to kill, you know, the sexual act is uh, something that I penetrate you and I kill you and we kill each, ourselves each time because an organ is, orga, orgasm is a sort of small death, it is said, you know? So symbolically, the phallus is very, very important, and it is also the culture builder for some uh, anthropologists. And also for others, it is a symbolic object that was exchanged within and between family. Imagine my family name. Why not my mother's name? I prefer my father aesthetically, but you know? Hmm? And we see the, the phallus, or the penis, or what you want, represented everywhere, you know? Even the skyscrapers. Now we have the skyscrapers that represent exactly what it is, you know? Mine is longer than yours, you know? <laughs> so. um, okay. And, uh, of course, the, 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 the incredible quantities of phallic uh, representations that we have around the world in every culture and in every society. Because it is very powerful, symbolically, you know? So, being this in mind, you know, we must remember that there is a problem. Because uh, both males and females, and both the representations that we have in mind about males and females, we face a problem, you know, they both face a problem. There is a gap, I said, there, between the real men and the real women, 
and the symbolic ima images that they were asked to represent in different cultures. And uh, in our case, as if the target is in common, we are talking about genitalia, the aims and the results on the intervention on genitalia are, of course, different. And all the intervention on genitalia should be seen, in my opinion, in this optic. <coughs> and if I check the traits that interventions uh, have in common, it's possible, perhaps, to trace back their origin uh, in, uh, I suppose, ancient Central and South African populations, both for males and female. Why? Because uh, they had a low technological development, in the sense that uh, when you have when a population has a low technological development, the body becomes very, very important because the body represents socially, is a container of symbols. With this body, I represent myself socially. I have an identity inside my societies, my society. And uh, population that have uh, a low technological development in the sense that they have not good tools. Uh, low technological development means that they have a few tools, you know? And uh, when you use the tool, uh, it is important because a tool is something that any other animal can use. For example, a dog grasps things, do something, sniff, but my hand permits me to objectify the reality and to build things. You know, I can take to my sense organ and reflect, reflect about the objects and buy and change and um, change something, the stone, and, and build the instrument. You know, with the instrument I can enlarge my cognitive experience so I can uh, do something, you know, hunt and so on. But uh, if the, the technological instrument, the technological <coughs> devices that I am, my society was able to build are very few and very low uh, technologically, you know, my body becomes very, very important, you know. And uh, there is not uh, the distance, right? there is a projection, not outside, but it's a projection inside, little projection, projections on my body, you know. And, uh, of course, around the world, there are several and different quantities <coughs> and possibilities about the use of the body for different social meaning, because the body was a carrier of symbols. <coughs> and um, <coughs> I say here that the low technological development does not permit to out-distance can I say that? Or distance from their body, that becomes an instrument. And, of course, there is, could be also a withdrawal on the sex organs. They assume a symbolic and projective meaning. And it's not the case to mention all around the world the use of the body symbolically and both male and female and the use of the sexual organ <coughs> organs that we could found. But mostly 
the use of the body, you know, that has a social significance, a social meaning. And this is something that uh, even the most advanced society could happen. For example, artists, they have a withdrawal in their body. I, I show you an example that is incredible, but you know, I found it in the net just to stop a while this, this, this <laughs> intervention. This uh, guy, Mao Sujiyama, described uh, himself as being asexual and cooked up the season and served his genitalia to five diners, dinners at the Swansky Banquet in Japan. This is the result, you know, sorry for the vegetarians. <laughs> <coughs> and there were, there were no problems because in Japan there is no any law uh, banning, uh, unpermitting cannibalism. So it's not mentioning cannibalism in the Japanese law, so it was legal, you know. But uh, this is an example of our modern artist withdrawal on the sex in organs. You know, there's the same operation symbolically that could be done in the, in other populations in Africa. And uh, <clears throat> the other problem that I try to face regards the fact that uh, uh, with this anthropological frame, you know, bearing in mind the importance symbolic importance of the sex organs, the symbolic importance of the dualism male and female, you know, uh, being in mind this, uh, taking in mind this, uh, I try to understand that maybe, um, I'm, I mean, uh, it's not correct, but uh, I'm presenting here just to have a, a feedback with my ideas on this. Um, to, about the possibility to ban or to reduce uh, uh, intervention on, interventions on genitalia. So, um, we, you see here that uh, there are two kinds of female, uh, the so-called so reductive, and uh, with this intend uh, any kind of operation that uh, is done on geni women genitals in order to cut them or to reduce them and so on, like such as infibulation, clitoridectomy and so on. And the other forms that we have, we have studied in South Africa that are so-called, we call them expansive, in the sense that you elongate the labia, so you expand your genitalia in order to give pleasure, or say, by them, to the husband, you know. Uh, I, I, <coughs> I made a subdivision of the male uh, circumcisions on therapeutic, that is done for phimosis and so on, you know. Prophylactic, I call prophylactic the, 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 the one that is carried out in the States, you know. Uh, ethnic, I include in this also the, those performed for religious purposes. And uh, for other reasons, what happened in South Korea, for example, after when the Americans went there and little by little, they copied uh, the American way of life, including circumcision. So, uh, being in mind the frames, as I said before, you know, the social adhesion for reductive uh, female uh, uh, intervention is quite high, especially in countries like uh, Somalia, in which now it is a sort of uh, national identity, you know? Uh, but we will talk about this uh, later on. The symbolic meaning remains high, you know. 
and there are rituals that reinforce the practice. And there is also medicalization, but it's not very much, but uh, you know, now it started. The possibility of alternative, it has been found that in some parts of uh, Somalia, for example, but in other parts of Africa, there are no governmental, governmental organization, organizations that are uh, working on this. You know, so there is the possibility of alternatives. We presented um, years ago uh, something regarding the Merca area. And the possibility to reduce is still low, but could be, uh, could be done something, you know? It's still low, but, you know? For the expensive uh, forms, the social adhesion now in many populations is quite low. We, we, the, the same um, <coughs> phenomena we have found in, uh, among the vendor population, we have found also in Congo, for example. And the symbolic meaning is very low. The reinforcing <laughs> rituals are, uh, there are reinforcing rituals, you know, even if, they, even if they are not so important as those of males. There is no case of no medicalization, no possibility of alternative, and the possibility to ban reduce is very, very high in this case. For male, <coughs> uh, you see therapeutic, the social adhesion is high still because the, 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 there is no much knowledge about the possibility of alternatives. There is no symbolic meaning, no reinforced rituals, medicalization, of course, and the possibility to ban or reduce is very low, in my opinion. No, it's low, in my opinion, because uh, uh, there is not uh, uh, no, enough, enough knowledge about the possibility of alternatives. This uh, is a result of a, a survey that I have done in Italy on uh, urologists, you know, and I asked, but do you know if there is any possibility of alternative? Well, they didn't uh, answer, you know, 90 and uh, almost all, you know, so it's very, 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 very difficult, you know, because they, 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 have, they, have, they have the idea that the only way to cure is cutting. For prophylactic, it is a strange story, you know, because uh, here uh, um, the social adhesion is quite high, in, <coughs> not, not in all the, the, the populations, but in America, for example, it's quite high. Uh, there is some symbolic meaning that was uttered, some, you know, but not, not so strong like the traditional societies, you know. There is also the problem with the medicalization, that we, we, we talk about this later on. The possibility of alternatives that are not, you know, and the possibility for, in my opinion, for the moment is low to reduce the impact. For other reasons, it's more or less the same, but the possibility is quite high. Uh, if we, mm, for example, for male ethnic uh, interventions, uh, circumcisions in this case, you know, in my opinion, those uh, <coughs> that are made for religious purposes are very difficult to be eradicated, you know? Because, uh, I say here for some important reasons, they first of all assure identity. An Hebrew without circumcision is not, you know? An Hebrew is as such, if it was born by, from a mother, Hebrew mother, and if uh, in the, uh, it's as a brit milah in the eight, 
before the eighth day of birth, you know? And they are reinforced by rituals connected to the sacred. That is very important, you know? But uh, because every time that uh, uh, we have uh, something connected to the sacred, it's very difficult to, to fight against it. The target is the penis in, or the phallus, what you want, that is powerful per se, you know? <clears throat> and this kind, they assure some kind of sacredness to it. They add sacredness to it, you know? Adding power to the, 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 the penis in this case. If I offer my penis to God, as it happens in some religion, uh, me, male, or the father or the children, but me, male, I'm offering one of the most important parts, you know, of myself. And I offer you this, you know. So somehow, uh, symbolically, I became uh, a sort of spouse of God. And this uh, could, be <coughs> could be seen in some traditions related to the Hebrews. Uh, being the sacred, as I say here, uh, the protection of power, the fight is almost impossible, even if there are some uh, Jews, uh, some uh, Hebrews, uh, that are fighting against uh, the male circumcision. You know? But uh, the, logic, the logic is assertive. When I say that the logic is assertive, I say, uh, you know, the, 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 the assertive logic, the, the assertive way of thinking is, uh, mm, is a, way, a way of thinking that we found in religions, for example. Or you believe or you don't. You have to, you know? Uh, the, the assertive thinking somehow is the one that you found in science. Two plus two is four, you know, but when I say that two and two is four, it's correct, of course, it's accepted widely. But there is no resonance on me when I feel that, you know. This is what Agamben, the philosopher, called the assertive logic. You know, that is widespread. You know, there is nothing to do with that. And science, uh, one of the problems of science is that the logic is assertive. And probably science will be different in one century, say somebody, you know, uh, only if when the, 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 there will be a sort of uh, <coughs> uh, union between science and hearts, for example. We will be able to to diminish the impact of the assertive logic of science. But the, 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 I mean, no, no, nobody would like to have a world in which religion and science will be dominant. Because man is different. Man has other things. Man has feelings. You know? the, the assertive logic is not for us completely. It's, in, it's good, it's important to stay well, for religion purposes, because uh, to, to, to understand much better, to advance technologically, science, you know, but it's not the only, the only way to, 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 to live, you know, personally, individually, humanly, you know. So the assertive logic is good for many purposes, but it's not enough, you know. 
just to, 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 to let you understand what I, what, what, what I, what I intend when I say assertive uh, logic, you know. For the male ethnic, um, we're still talking about this, you know, and we are inside, for religious purposes, uh, inside the assertive logic in full, you know, and uh, what do we, our, the, the, the millenarian history that we have in our shoulders suggests us that the battle against the power is really difficult and sometimes impossible. The power hides itself exactly where we think to have the tools to fight against it, in what was built before. In our case, the sacredness in which the <coughs> intervention on genitalia were enthralled with rituals reinforcing the messages. And uh, the logic is, as I said, absurd. In, uh, I don't know if it is correct. Here we have experts. I collected this from, uh, uh, from uh, <coughs> internet, you know, but I think it's quite good. Um, in my opinion, the areas <coughs> in the map of the world that are dark at this, this time uh, will remain dark for years and years, you know, because this is, I mean, religious purposes connected, you know. Why the areas that are in gray, you know, prophylactic and so on, the, 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 I mean, that would be, would be difficult but not impossible to reduce the impact of these interventions, you know. Because prophylactic uh, mercy concision especially in the States, a sure identity. I remember uh, Young's uh, Memeplex, you know, uh, in which it was a, a stated that a true American male is circumcision, no way, you know? And there is another aspect that is medicalization in the sense that uh, there is a modern form of assertive thinking, you know, this time for supposed uh, purposes in the name of science, you know. And uh, all the complex rituals that usually were performed uh, in a form of uh, <coughs> ethnic sequences, for example, are now substituted by hospitalization and medicalization. Probably, uh, some, something could happen, for example, in the States, because uh, the, the, the prophylactic circumcision was performed uh, historically in uh, Anglo-Saxon-speaking countries, and probably something could happen if uh, the, the American legislator uh, will copy something that is happening in Canada, or in New Zealand, or in uh, Australia, you know, but uh, it will take a long time, you know. For female, the female counterpart, you know, they, they say that was the same in the sense that uh, uh, they assure identity and they are associated with rituals, you know. But, uh, <clears throat> for example, uh, there is a sort of laziness in anthropology, between the anthropology, because they, they, they for example, for South Africa, and I finish, they talked about uh, initiation schools for girls. It's not possible because initiation schools are done for males and male circumcision requires initiation schools. 
but uh, there were not initiation schools for females, you know, because <clears throat> to have uh, to be initiated, it is necessary to belong to a structure of power. And usually, especially in Africa, girls didn't belong to any structure of power because they were exchanged by males historically. You know, so it, it is a laziness of the anthropologist, the observer. You know, we are talking about the initiation schools, but they are good only for males and not for females. For the expansive female genital procedures, uh, well, they are quickly disappearing, luckily, and uh, and uh, this is a result of, uh, I can say. In my opinion, another intervention on, on male, on female, of male, on males, on females, in the sense that they passed from the structural power to another, you know, more westernized. Sorry, but I must finish, and uh, I finished. <laughs> That's our show. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email them to us at cutdocumentary at gmail.com. And if you like what you've heard today, please support us by buying our film at www.cutthefilm.com.